How many of you know that Jesus taught his disciples that it was better that he go away than what it was for him to stay? And uh, we need to get an understanding of that because Jesus said it was to our advantage that he go away. And we talked a little bit about that last week. And just for time, I'm, I'm not going to do too much of a recap. But um, I do like, I like to think there's a couple of verses that we should just look at as we, as, we, uh, as we go forward this morning. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that our hearts are open this morning to receive. Lord God, encouragement, Father God, uh, edification, that we'd be edified today, Lord God, and even education today. Lord, we thank you for your word and the impact on us. Uh, of it on our hearts, Lord God, that we'd be, Lord, uh, again, lifted and propelled, Father God, into our future because, Lord God, our future, Father God, is very much about walking with your Holy Spirit. And we give you all the thanks and the praise and the revelation knowledge would flow today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So in John 14, of course, in uh, verse 26, I like it. It says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things... And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. How about that? You know, you can ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance all things that he's ever said. And, uh, and you know, we don't want to miss the purposes of God in sending the Holy Spirit to the church. It was the Father's design that we would be helped by the Holy Spirit. You know, and a lot of Christians look in the wrong place for help. A lot of Christians do. They look, you know, look into the wrong place to get help. After Jesus ascends to God, the promise of the Father was that Jesus would send the Holy Spirit. You know, and the story of the Holy Spirit being sent is going to play out after that promise over the next 50 days. From, the, from Jesus' death at the Passover until the Feast of Pentecost. If you go back and look at those Jewish uh, times and, and, and feasts, Jesus died at the Passover and, of course, uh, was risen uh, 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 two, three, uh, two, two days afterwards, and of course, uh, and, and of course, the, that was called the Passover uh, feast. So, and of course, fifty days later is the Feast of Pentecost, which is where we get our Pentecostal name from. Okay, you see, it's on the sign out the front. We are Pentecostal, and why we are a Pentecostal brand of Christian is a good question. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because we believe that Jesus still baptizes his people with the Holy Spirit for empowerment. Okay? It's for empowerment. What was next for the church after Jesus ascended um, was an empowered church. That was what was next on the agenda. If, they, if you could have read the agenda of, you know, in heaven of what was going on, it was uh, Jesus crucified, dies, ro- uh, raises again, uh, comes and visits with his with his church and with his disciples and apostles, and then ascends into heaven and sends the Holy Spirit. It goes like that. That's how the agenda works. And um, and of course, we need to see that what was next for the church was after Jesus ascended was an empowered church. And of course, that was not just someone who was going to be with them someone who was going to be in them, one that would reside on the inside, the Holy Spirit. And of course, it's, you know, if you think about it, it's the Father's upgrade for his people. Think about it that way. It's the Father's upgrade for his people. And of course, he's going to bring it. 
And if you remember last week, we looked at the word parakletos. Uh, uh, one translation of the word is one called to your side to take up together with you against. You say, against what? Against anything you're facing. And that's good news. One called to your side to take up together with you against anything you're facing, anything that uh, uh, presents as something that's too big for you. That's the job of the parakletos, to take up together with you against that. And last week we saw how the risen Lord Jesus for 40 days is showing up at the disciples' meetings. Intermittent. He's not, you know, letting them know, I'll be with you next Tuesday. Uh, just be here. He's not, none of those things are going. He's just popping into the meetings. Now you say, how did he do that? Well, he did it in his resurrected body. He did it in bodily form. Uh, he could... and. and I like this body. I like if you've if you've ever studied a little bit about the resurrected body that Jesus was operating in, uh, you can get excited because you're going to get one too. That's right, you're going to get one too. Now, this is a real good one. Uh, it's a body that can pass through walls but sit down on chairs. Okay, and for all the foodies, you can still eat. Okay, it's true. All the foodies out there, and I just just love food. I'm not a foodie. I just like it, you know. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead in that form. It's a resurrected body. Um, they they uh, and of course, if you look at it into apologetics, if you go looking and study it out, uh, they say that the actual amazement in the tomb was the fact that the bandages that they embalmed him in weren't just all torn off and thrown away. He actually passed through it. So it was like this empty shell of, you know, bandages all embalmed. It just rose up through it. And uh, that's amazing because that's the body we're talking about. It's a resurrected body. It's new technology. (laughs) New technology for the church too when it happens. You know, when we have the rapture, uh, you know, we're going to be um, uh, 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 finding and fitting out our new bodies and working out how they work. So... But Jesus arose from the dead in that form. And if you remember, some of the most important teachings of Jesus about the Holy Spirit is found in the Gospel of John. Uh, chapters 14 through to 17, there, it's a good read. Have a read. We're going to be touching in on different verses from that as time goes by in this series. And, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, it's a dialogue between Jesus as he, on his way from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to be taken by a group of soldiers and, of course, taken and, of course, you know, uh, judged by Pilate and, of course, crucified. But his last teaching is about the Holy Spirit because that's what's next. That's what's coming up for the church. That's what's coming up for the disciples. And uh, his ascension uh, will be amazing to see, but the infelling of the Holy Spirit was going to blow them away. It would have been amazing to see Jesus, you know, rise uh, into heaven. But, um, you know, that, that infilling with the Holy Spirit was something powerful as well. You know, with fire, uh, uh, that the Holy Spirit blew into that place and that upper room and they were all filled. But we'll get to that. Look at uh, John chapter 14 and verse 16. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and get this last bit, and will be in you. In other words, 
you know, the, the, the disciples, they weren't a stranger to, you know, uh, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the, this, this work that Jesus was doing. The Holy Spirit was around Jesus all the time. And they had been with the Holy Spirit in the sense of having been with Jesus. Because he was anointed with the Spirit of God, wasn't he? And so they'd been with him. But Jesus was saying, for he dwells with you and will be in you, you see. So let's look again at the, uh, uh, at the Gospel of Luke again. In Luke chapter 24, and verse 44. Uh, is it? Oh, what did I do? There we go. It's all right. It, this is glitching, all right? This is a little bit glitchy. Anyway, then he said to them, there are my words. Uh, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with what? Power. Until you're clothed with power from on high. And Jesus downloads to them in this passage, you know, that, that a greater understanding of the truths that will set them free and propel them into their ministry. And the big truth here is that they all needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus would be received into heaven, sit at the right-hand side of the Father, and he would send the Holy Spirit to the church. And, the, and, and Jesus tells the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem without this. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And, you know, and here we have uh, the intention of God for the church. It's not just to be good and loving and nice. It's to be empowered. You know, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so often the conflicts in the church happen to be around that area where we want to be empowered, we want to you know, move in the spirit and, and create an environment and an atmosphere where the spirit of God is free to move and conflict breaks out because someone wants to do something else or someone else has got another agenda or someone else has got a problem with that and next thing you know you're, you're, you're working through all those things when ultimately what we want is God's spirit breaking out and doing what only he can do. Can I get an amen this morning? One of, the, one of the frictions in the churches is that we want to do what God wants to do. And, um, and can we just let him? Can we just allow him? Luke chapter 24 and verse 50. And when Jesus had led them out as far as Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them in verse 51. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy praising God continually in the temple. So they're going to church every day, you know. They're so excited about serving a risen Lord, you know. That's the difference, isn't it, you know. I've heard uh, of evangelists who love to start that conversation with people that are sitting on aeroplanes next to them. Oh, uh, you know, what, what's your religion, you know. And they, they'll say, oh, it's this religion or that religion. And they'll say, oh, I've heard this one person, they'll say, well, my religion's better than your religion. Start opening statement, you know. And you don't want to know why? Because I've got a risen Lord. And you can go through all the religions and you'll find that none of them except Christianity have a risen Lord. 
Amen. That's what makes it different. And not only that, but the risen Lord Jesus sent the Holy Spirit back to the church so we could walk in empowerment that's due us, that's due to his church, that he wanted us to know and have. So the, the, the disciples have got it now. They're positioning themselves you know, for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They're praising the Lord and are full of expectation. I just write that down. That's something that you can do to position yourself as well, is what? Praise the Lord and be full of expectation. What's God going to do next? I'm excited. You know, what's he going to do today? What, you know, how's he going to manifest his power in my life today? Be that believer that's always walking in expectation and don't let yourself get glum. All the glummers said amen. Amen. Don't, don't, don't let yourself get glum, you know, in the things of God. Continue to be glad about what God's doing and not sad. I was a poet and I didn't know it. There you go. So let's go to the book of Acts and let's get the, see the sequence for the birth of the early church. Here we have Dr. Luke. Uh, always good to have a doctor present for a birth. I understand. In his second book of the Bible, the Acts of the Apostles, Dr. Luke records the birth of the church beautifully. Okay? He records it. And we're going to read it. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 1 to 3, it says, And in my first book, O Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them with many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a span of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Amen. How's that? He presented himself with them over, uh, with many convincing proofs that he's alive and appeared to them over the span of about 40 days. Uh, here we see that for a 40-day period, the risen Lord Jesus is dropping in on their meetings. As we said, you know, he was just turning up, walking through the walls. They'd shut the door and Jesus would be sitting down. He wasn't there when they shut the door. You know, he was just making himself known as a risen Lord and teaching them about the kingdom of God. Wow, I would have liked to have been in one of those meetings. Just what it would have been like. Can you imagine the, just the atmosphere when Jesus just sort of came in through a wall, you know, and then sat down and started eating a bit of fish with you, you know, a little bit of bread? Hey, Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> wow. And, um, and, of course, you know, I don't know about anyone else, I would have had a lot of questions. You know, it would have been busting to ask some questions. But, but there's Jesus, you know, just again in this, in this place, you know, where he is, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, revealing himself as risen Lord. Verse 6, we'll read it on. It says, so when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus replied, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Jesus is saying that the time seasons, uh, that, that the, you know, the, the seasons and the times should not be your focus. Don't allow uh, the times and seasons to be your focus. Look what he said in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, the Greek word there is that Greek word dunamis. Okay? It, it, it speaks of physical power force, might, 
ability, efficacy, energy, meaning, uh, uh, powerful deeds, uh, deeds showing physical power and uh, marvelous works. That's the power. You should, what did he say? You shall be, uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you know, that's an expectation that we can walk in, that power gets released. When we pray with people, when we pray, you know, uh, uh, you know, and intercede for others, that we, it, there's an expectation that there's power to shift and move things and change things. We should have that expectation in our lives. This again reminds us that what we see in Jesus' ministry was not miracle signs and wonders because he was the son of God. He didn't have superpowers because he was a divine person. Because he was the word made flesh. You know, it's that, that well, because of his divine nature. If you remember last week, we looked at this truth. It's called the kenosis of Jesus. We looked at Philippians 2, or certainly referred to it. Look what it, Philippians 2, verse 6 to 8, it says, Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. It actually means he emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. That's the kenosis of Jesus there, that he emptied himself when he became a man. He laid down his divine attributes that he had with the Father from eternity. Of course, the thing is, once you get a hold of this, what we stop doing is start thinking that we need Jesus to do the miracles when we realise that he's empowered us to be like a, a, a conduit for miracle signs and wonders, gifts of the Holy Spirit, because we've been empowered. Amen. Now, he can come, he can move in here and minister and touch hearts and lives as he can, and as we would hope he would, you know. And, uh, and, and of course, we have such an expectation about that as well. But what we need to recognise is that he can use us, you know. We can be, you know, that instrument of righteousness in his hands that results in you know, signs, wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So in this truth, we understand the term hypostatic union. Okay, there's another big word here. I'm bringing a few deep words, a hypostatic union. It's the theological term, okay, which is used to expand, explain how Jesus was both God and man. But during his earthly ministry, he emptied himself. And we, we should understand that. And I, I'll just get you to stay with me on that because um, even though he was divine in nature, what we saw in Jesus' ministry was the best example of a man with flesh and blood like you and I fulfilling his ministry, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we've got to see that. We've got to make the connection and see that. Because if we don't, we'll keep thinking that that's just something that you know is out of reach for us. And the church remains not empowered but the church remains powerless we say that a prayerless church is a powerless church you know sometimes it's a church that doesn't understand what god's given them as well doesn't use it properly doesn't recognize that it's for us to walk in so question when when jesus was stepping into his earthly ministry what was the first event and please don't say the virgin birth all right Uh, 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 baptism by John. Rose, we got it. Taya, she's a she's a Roman Bible Training Centre graduate. She proved it right there. It was like his destination, you know. I should say his his, um, his uh, ordination. It's 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 you know not at the local synagogue, but down in the Jordan River. 
where Jesus gets his ordination. John confirms who he is and what is on his life down there at the, at the, uh, in the waters of the Jordan. You know, the Father's voice from heaven. This is my beloved son. You know, Jesus submits himself to John's baptism, even though he's sinless. Jesus doesn't need to repent. He is sinless. But in his obedience to God's will, he receives the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? John chapter 1 and verse 32. And of course, I know we've gone a little bit over time, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at that. John chapter 1 and verse 32 and verse 33, it says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Amen? People might get some comfort from other religions. But they're not going to get the comforter. That's another translation of the Greek word parakletos, the comforter. And they're not going to get that until they come to Jesus. Because he is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Jesus now has the Holy Spirit to impart to others. And from here on, this is where we see Jesus commence his three and a half year ministry. It's an empowered ministry. And let's make sure we see the sequence. And, and you know, just a, a couple more uh, verses to go here. You know, shortly after this, we see the Holy Spirit, after, after the baptism uh, in the Jordan River, John's baptism in the Jordan River, and the Spirit of God upon him, you know, the, the, the dove, and, and, of course, the voice from heaven. You know, we see uh, the Holy Spirit now leading Jesus up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And, of course, the devil comes you know, away from the encounter, sort of scratching his head a little bit. Uh, and, of course, you know, the, the devil's puzzled and, uh, and departs. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 4 and in verse 13, it says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. An opportune time. The devil thinks he'll come back when things aren't going so well for Jesus. And that's how he works, isn't it? That's one of his strategies. He comes at an inopportune time. That's a demonic strategy. But let's go past the temptation in the wilderness. Jesus now comes out of the wilderness. And of course, we know what to do when the devil comes at an inopportune time, don't we? We speak the word, just like Jesus did. We speak the word only. Just keep saying what the God says. And you watch, he'll flee as well. And uh, thinking that he can come back later when you're having another inopportune time. But you can speak the word and, uh, and say no. But um, uh, here's Jesus, you know, and the power he's operating, operating in is because he is the son of God, right? No. And we'll see it. Luke chapter 4 and verse uh, uh, 14 through to 15. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. Jesus comes, you know, with that empowerment. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding region. He taught in their synagogues. And was glorified by everyone. Now let's just understand his hometown Nazareth, where Jesus, you know, is now coming uh, to speak in their synagogue, and uh, of course probably visit the family, see some old friends as well. So these are all things that are going on, but um, they know the natural Jesus in his hometown, the carpenter's son, 
they haven't seen or heard the empowered Jesus. They hadn't yet experienced the Holy Spirit's anointing on his life. And it's a real interesting read. We'll just go through it. It says, he, he came to Nazareth and when he, where he'd been brought up, as usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up and read. And verse 17, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Verse 20, and then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. As you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. You know, Jesus makes it clear to his home church that there is something different about me. You know, he's, he's making it really clear. And uh, if there is something different, you know, that they need to recognise, it's different to the kid that they knew that grew up, uh, you know, crawling around on the floor in his father's wood shop, you know, uh, covered in shavings. Something different, you know, to the kid that, uh, you know, they knew who grew up with their sons and daughters and uh, went to school with, you know, completed his apprenticeship as a carpenter and had built some of their, maybe their household furniture. There was something different to that Jesus. And uh, they just witnessed it as he read scripture. He's now empowered. And uh, Jesus was was uh, uh, demonstrating how different he was, that the Spirit of the Lord was now upon him and he'd been empowered and been anointed and the purpose of that empowerment were clear because he spoke to it. You know, you could have heard a pin drop. I can only imagine the sense of God's presence in that little Nazarene synagogue. It was so thick. You know, the people that had come for some religious observance and instead the power of God dropped in. You can imagine what it was like. It's that supernatural uh, strengthening and ability of God that comes. The anointing, that, you know, that capacity of the Holy Spirit to upgrade you from the natural to the supernatural. You know, and, and I just want to say, I know we've gone over time today. Um, as we continue in this series, we want to see that God's design for his church was not religiosity. Okay? Uh, ceremonial observances. Amen? Not God's design. His plan for the church from the very beginning was to be a people that are different, that carry something of Him. You know, not you know, not just to be a people who are distinct from others just because of what we believe, but by what we experience of God's presence and what others experience around us. So come on, church. I just want to say that. Come on, church. We have got to get to that next level. You know, sometimes it's just a case of realising that it's available that causes us to go to that next level. And you do what you need to do to, to realise it, whether it be just start getting glad again about your Christianity, start getting excited about that, start being ready for the Lord to, to uh, uh, move in new ways in your life. You know, uh, lift up your expectation of what he can do in your life and you watch. He'll use that. He'll use that as a platform to enter in. Amen. And come and demonstrate his power. We've got to get to that next level. 
or else we'll just be a book club. Who wants that? <laughs> Who wants to just be a book blog, you know, book, book club, you know? What book? Oh, the Bible. One of the books. We don't want to just be a book club, amen? We want to be a church that knows something of the empowerment of God in our lives and can speak of it and have testimonies of it. And I'm excited already because I get to hear testimonies all the time from different ones who are experiencing, you know, God's great grace and goodness and, of course, power. And, um, and you know, you'll know I'm talking to you about it because I'll freely admit I can't do that. I say, you know, and, and, uh, and just confess, I know I can't do that, but I know he can and he does it. And uh, we love to see it and love to be about it, uh, that business. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to close. Um, I might just ask, um, I might just ask, because of time, I might just ask uh, Brenda. Sorry. Brenda, would you mind just come up? We're just going to, uh, just, just going to make an altar call this morning. And we're going to meet again this afternoon, as you know, um, down at the beach baptism. So I encourage you to come along. If you've come in late, uh, just know that it's going to be four o'clock. It's going to be down near the signs, right down the very end. There'll be a couple of marquees. You'll just hang around until you find us and, uh, and come ready uh, for what the Lord wants to do. But I just want to encourage you this morning, you know, if you're uh, here in the church and, uh, and you know, you'd like a little bit more from the Spirit of God in your life. You'd like to taste and see that the Lord is good in that area. And, and perhaps um, you'd like to come t- and come down the front and be prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to come down for that as well. You know, um, there's a, also a prayer that we can pray and you need to pray it if you haven't prayed it already. It's called the prayer of salvation. And um, I, I just encourage you this morning that if you haven't prayed that prayer, it's a prayer that will take you into uh, these deeper things of, of understanding uh, God's spirit, you know, what, what, what Jesus has done for us in our, you know, in our lives. And I do encourage you, you know, if, if, if you've already prayed that, start thinking about other people around you that need to pray that prayer and start praying for them. Amen. That's some of the empowerment that we have. We just start to release God into people's lives um, as we pray and as we believe by faith. So I encourage you this morning. Amen. Amen. So we're going to just close. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your your word. We thank you, Lord God, for, Lord, the presence of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work among us today in our hearts and lives. And Holy Spirit, that what you would do here is, as some come down, Father, for prayer and, and, uh, and ministry, Lord God, from your presence, Lord. We thank you ahead of time, Lord God. We thank you that you're always faithful. You're always here to do what you said you'd do in your word, Lord. We just prepare ourselves, prepare ourselves for what you will do, Father, in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Hope to see you this afternoon. And um, we're going to have a good time. So God bless you.